This morning, we're going to take a break from the book of Mark just for a week. We'll be back in Mark chapter 9 next week. But we're going to take a break from Mark for today. We're going to look at the idea of church membership. Now, as I was preparing for this week, I had every intention of going Mark chapter 9, but just felt God impressing upon my heart, leading us to talk about the church. Why is church membership important? Why is it valuable? Why is it something that we protect? And why is it something that we encourage? So as we start, now understand this. On your sheet, there's a lot of blanks. So we're going to fly through the first, of it, the first half of it pretty fast because the meat of what we want to talk about is towards the end. And also, you've got a lot of scripture references. Those are there for your notes. Uh, towards the end, when we get to a couple of bigger passages, I'll tell you to flip your Bibles open. Uh, but for now, uh, you can always go back home and follow up on those. Make sure that I don't say anything crazy. Um, if you see any typos, you just keep those to yourself. Uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, but uh, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the church and why the church is important. So first of all, let's ask the question, what is the church? If we're going to look at the church, we need to define what the church is. We need to have an understanding of what we're talking about. And when we talk about the church, the way the Bible talks about the church, there's two different terms that we need to look at. The universal church and the local church. The universal church is the worldwide body of Christ made up of all those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus for salvation. So that's our first one. The universal church is the worldwide body of Christ uh, made up of all those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus. So believers from Arkansas to Africa to Asia, we are all included in this body of Christ. We are all included in this universal church. No matter your denomination, if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've repented of your sins, you've surrendered your life to Him, you are part of the church. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 22 through 23 says this, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And Colossians 1.18 says this, And he is the head of the body, the church, talking about Jesus. That's the entire church. So when we talk about the universal church, we're talking about every single Christian in the world. We are all part of this body of Christ, this universal church. What's neat is when you go to other countries or other continents or even other states and you meet people from different cultures, from different backgrounds who who know Jesus, who love Jesus, who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus, there can be an instant bond because we are saved by the same God. We have the same Holy Spirit dwelling within us and there is an instant bond because of our faith, because we are part of the same church. All right, next is the local church. The local church is the gathering of like-minded believers at a regular time and location to study God's Word, fellowship together, take the Lord's Supper, and pray. All right, so the local church is gathering of like-minded believers. In Acts 2.42, we see, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and the breaking of the bread and the prayers. So that's the beginning of the church. The church is being formed. They are beginning to gather together. They are like-minded. They believe the same things about the essentials. And then as churches come together, you begin to believe the same things about things like church government, how the church should be run, what are the basics that we should believe, what are the important things that we should hold to, how can we minister to one another, how can we minister with each other, how can we encourage one another. So what you have in the system of the church, you've got the universal church, which is everybody, And then what you have, or you have local churches 
scattered around, and that's Calvary Baptist. We are a local church. We are a local autonomous church. Being Southern Baptist, there is no other uh, outside board or committee or ruling body that governs us. We make our own decisions. Uh, We worship God together. We fellowship together. We come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, willfully joining together as a local body. First Baptist is another local body of believers here in Corning. Uh, The General Baptist, all these other churches are are local churches. They are local bodies of believers that have gathered together to form their own church. So when we talk about the church, you've got the big picture universal church, and you've got the local church. And today what we're really focusing in on is the local church, this local body of believers. Why is it important for you, if you are a Christian, why is it important to say, okay, I'm part of the, the body of Christ. Why is it important? Well, I'm jumping ahead. I'll get there in a second. The church and the family are the two institutions that God has ordained to spread the gospel, show His love to the world, and see believers mature. So, God has ordained the church to come together to tell other people about Jesus, to see believers grow in their faith. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then James 1.27, Religion that is pure and undefiled uh, before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So as the church, this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be uh, seeing each other grow in our faith. We're supposed to be reaching out with the gospel to see people uh, come to know Jesus Christ. And then we are to be caring for those who cannot care for themselves, to show compassion, to show, to show love, to show mercy, to show gentleness uh, for those who are in need. So now why do we encourage church membership? If once we're saved, if we're part of the universal church, why do we need organized religion? Why is it important? Why is it important to say, okay, Cam, I'm part of the the universal church. You said that I'm saved, so therefore I'm part of the church. I'm part of the body of Christ. You are. Amen. Why is it important for me to be part of this organized religion that has rules, that has structure, that, that I have to be there every single Sunday or Wednesday? Why is that even important? Why is the organized religion aspect of it, or the local church, why is that important? What we're going to see is that there is scriptural evidence of why the local church is important, of why we have a local church. This was not created by man. This was not some idea that we just came up with. It is modeled in scripture. So church membership does not affect your salvation, but it does impact your spiritual maturity. I just want to get this out of the way. You don't have to be a church member to be a Christian. You are saved. Before you get saved, you should not be a member of a church. And then you get saved. You place your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then after you are saved, you find a local body of believers that you can uh, agree with, that you are like-minded with, that you can worship together, that you can grow together, that you can serve together, and you join that group. That is the... That is the biblical example that we're going to look at. That's how things have played out in the church for the last 2,000 years since the church started uh, with the book of Acts. That's just how uh, the church operates. You get saved, you become part of the universal church, then you find a local body of believers to be a part of. Now, let me say this. You can be a Christian and not be part of a local church. But, and this is a very big but, If you are a Christian and you are content without being part of the local body of believers, you are content with just having quote-unquote fire insurance, then you need to seriously, seriously check your faith. 
Paul encourages the churches in Corinthians. He said, look, you need to examine your heart, examine your actions, examine your belief to make sure that you're of the faith. Church membership and being part of the body, though it is not a requirement for salvation, it is a good litmus test for salvation or for a genuine faith. The Bible presents the fact that if you are uh, not part of the body of Christ, a local body of believers, then, it's, then you are spiritually damaging yourself in a very serious way. We've used this illustration before, but, but Paul likes to use the illustration of the body when he's talking about the church. That applies to both the universal church and it applies to the local church. And so if you were to take, he talks about how uh, we are all individual members of the body, but we make up the whole body when all those individual members come together. So if I were to take my finger, let's say this represents one believer, my finger, and I were to cut it off and separate it from the rest of the body, what's going to happen to it? It's going to die. It's going to lose all of its life. It's going to lose all of its ability. It's going to shrivel up and become useless. As Christians, when we separate ourselves from the local church, yes, we do not lose our salvation, but we greatly hinder our salvation. We greatly hinder our maturity. We greatly hinder our growth and our effectiveness to God and the kingdom. Personally, I don't believe there's anything um, biblical about looking at salvation as, hey, I got my fire insurance, and now, uh, you know, I like God, but I don't like the church so much, so I'm not going to go be a part of that. There's nothing biblical and God-honoring about that. If we are God's children, then we are to be with God's children. If, we, if I'm God's child, then I'm to be with His other children, with His family. Then let me just kind of throw this out there. If you've said this, that's fine. If you have not, if you've heard other people, I've heard people say this. I love God, but I, I don't like the church. Right? You've heard that. You've heard some people say that. People who try to use that as an excuse to not come to church. Understand that the body compares the church to being Jesus' bride. I'm going to tell you, if you come up to me and say, Cam, I like you a lot, but I kind of hate your wife. We're going to have issues. <laughs> we just are. There's not going to be fights or anything, but, but it's going to be hard for me to love you back because that's my spouse that you're talking about. We are the bride of Christ. Christ loves the church. We are to love what Jesus loves. We are to love the church. Guess what? The church isn't perfect. It's full of a bunch of people who fail, who mess up, who are not perfect, who say things they shouldn't say, do things they shouldn't do, sometimes hurt each other's feelings. And yes, that's not ideal. But guess what? We are to be filled with grace and showing each other grace. So we're going to dive into this a little bit more. But we are to love each other no matter what that looks like. So God has created the church. God has created organized religion with the church. It does not impact our salvation, but it does impact our spiritual maturity. So we do see that church membership is modeled in Scripture. Church membership is modeled in Scripture uh, in a couple of just different verses in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. As the church is growing, we see multiple uh, salvations, thousands of salvations once um, the, the Holy Spirit comes and Peter and the disciples begin to preach. And verse 41 says, So those who received the word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And then verse 47 says, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. 
Those verses take those who are being saved and those who are being numbered. So we've got salvation entering into the, local, the, the universal church, but also someone's keeping count. The fact that there's being an added number, the fact that they know how many, that means someone is keeping count. Someone is, is taking names. Someone is creating a membership role so they know who is part of the church and who is not. So church membership is modeled in Scripture. We see it throughout Scripture. Here's some of the ways that we see it or some of the, the other areas that we see that modeled in Scripture. One, an organized structure is needed in developing and choosing leaders. In Acts chapter 6, verse 3, while they were choosing the disciples, it says this, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and wisdom, that we will appoint to this duty. He says, pick out from among you. So this is people who have been part of the church. People that they had watched and seen grow. People that they had watched and seen evidence of the Spirit. These are people who had met together. He's not saying, look, there's, there's thousands upon thousands of people in the universal church. Just go find some seven people. He said, no, look, there are those of you who have been gathering together. Those of you who have been meeting together. Find seven men of those who have been gathered together, meeting with you, who are part of your number, who are part of your membership role. And find seven of those to choose as the deacons or to choose as leaders. Paul's letters show the importance and the organization of the local church. Now, as Paul wrote his letters, when you look at the epistles, First uh, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Romans, Paul, First, Second Thessalonians, Paul wrote these to specific churches, to specific local churches. And so, what we see in his introductions as Paul writes these letters is we see the the, the local church already established even during Paul's time. One, we see that there's a distinction in the universal church and the local church. In 1 Corinthians 1.12, it says, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those in every place who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what we have is we got the church of Corinth, and we've got those who, were, uh, who have been called with all other believers. So you've got the universal church, and you've got this local church in Corinth, this local body of believers who are gathering together, who are meeting together. God ordained the local church. God created and established the local church. The reason why the local church, the reason why quote-unquote organized religion is important is because God created it for a purpose and for a reason. We see in Galatians chapter 1, verse 2, Paul's letter to the Galatians shows individual churches in larger regions. So Galatia is an area that can, uh, has several different cities in it. And so as Paul writes his letter to the Galatians, he says, And all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. What this means is in this area, there are multiple local churches. Much like in Corning, there are multiple local churches. Just because there's one city or one area doesn't mean that there's only one church to that area. We see throughout history that the local church is important in its smaller bodies of believers, even in large areas. And then in Philippians 1.1, a recognized leadership structure shows, uh, uh, shows structure needed to keep religion organized. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with overseers and deacons. 
Now, all of those, I told you we're going to try to fly through those really pretty quickly because all of those show why there is organized religion. All of those show why there is a local church. All of those show why the local, local church has value and why it is important because God created it. God ordained it. If he had not, then when Paul wrote his letters, he would not be writing to individual churches. He would just write to, hey, every Christian everywhere, uh, hi, I'm Paul, let me tell you some stuff. But he didn't. He wrote to specific churches that had specific needs, that were going through specific things, that needed certain teachings or certain encouragements or certain challenges met with truth. And so as Paul wrote, he wrote to these individual churches. That shows us that the individual church is important. It is God-ordained. God loves the church. Not just the universal, but the local church. So let's look at kind of what why we have the local church. Church membership is God's plan for our encouragement and our maturity. Now, God wants us to be a part of the local church. It is is necessary for our faith. It is necessary for the building of our faith, for the encouragement of our faith. So let's look at a couple of different passages that show us um, why we have the church and how it fits into God's plan. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25, we see this. That we have been commanded to meet together and encourage each other. There is a commandment that we are gathering together as the body of believers. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this. And let us consider how to stir, uh, stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more to see, uh, all the more as you see the day drawing near. This verse, as we see two things. One in verse 25, he says, Do not neglect meeting together. Come together, meet together, fellowship with one another, spend time with one another, study God's word together, pray with one another. We are commanded, as the author of Hebrews says, is do not neglect in meeting with each other. Now, does that mean that if we are not at church, we've got three services during the week, at all three services that we are sending? No. Does that mean that if we go on vacation and so we miss a Sunday because we're somewhere else, does that mean that, that, that we're sinning or that's a bad thing? No. But what it means is we need to have the pattern in our life that we are part of a church, that we are gathered together with a, with a local body of believers and we are fellowshipping with one another because God has created us to need each other. God has not created us to be solo. God has not created us to be alone. God has created us to be dependent on each other. He has. Yes, we are dependent on God and we have the Holy Spirit and we are dependent on Him, but God has also created us to need other believers. Look at what he said. Or in verse 24, he said, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. One of the things that we'll be doing as we meet each other is to encourage one another or to stir up one another to love and good works. We're to be encouraging one another to love God more, encouraging one another to love people more, encouraging each other to walk with God more consistently. That's what the church is for. One of the reasons for the church is for us to come together, gather together to encourage one another in our faith. When we do forsake the meeting of each other, we miss out on that. We miss out on that encouragement. We miss out on that that building up. We miss out on that that love that we so desperately need from each other. Now, if you've got your Bibles, flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Here's a passage that I want us to... A little bit longer. I want us to actually look at just a little bit more... uh, 
maybe in depth than just kind of reading it. Because there's a lot of good stuff. Part of it, I just want you to see it as well. Because what we see here is that when we are part of the church, we have comfort through the pains of life. When we're part of the church, we have comfort through the pains of life. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 3 through 7. Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 7, it says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction. So God comforts us, verse 4, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those uh, who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and your salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience uh, when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, that we know, or for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Paul, as he writes this, he talks about how, look, we go through difficulties in life. We go through situations in life where God comforts us. And as God comforts us, as God encourages us, as God moves us through those hard times, moves us through those difficulties, shows us how to grow, shows us how to trust in Him, we in turn are be showing that same comfort to our brothers and sisters in Christ as they go through similar things or as they go through other difficulties or as they go through other t- uh, times of trials or, or frustrations or just difficult times in life. The church is there to encourage one another. The church is there to build one another up. The church is there to, when you're crying, that you've got a shoulder to cry on. When you're needy, you've got someone there to help you. When you're hurting, you've got someone to put an arm around you and pray for you and say, look, I might not have been in your exact situation, but, but here's some of the stuff that God has taught me in situations similar to that. We've got people who can just sit with us as Job's friends did for seven days, crying and mourning with him in his loss. We have a built-in support system with the church. God has created the church and given us the church to comfort each other. God understood. God knew that this life would be difficult. And so God has created the church so that we could... He said in verse, I believe it was verse 5, He says, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ do we share abundantly in comfort too. Sometimes being a Christian means suffering. Sometimes it's just life is tough. Sometimes walking with God is tough. Sometimes fighting against sin is tough. But God has, as we share in those sufferings, God has also allowed us to share in the comfort. Look, as Christians, you should be able to to call up or to text or email or go to someone in your Sunday school class or someone else who's a member of the church and say, look, I'm struggling in this area. I need you to pray for me. Hey, I'm hurting because of X, Y, Z. I need you to pray for me. You should be able to come to your pastor and say, look, I'm having issues. I need to talk about something and see how how I can best respond to this or, or what is God doing in my life and just have someone to talk to. And the church gives you all of that. There have been a few times since I've been here that I've gotten phone calls asking to do funerals for someone who was never part of a church, that, that did not have a, a, a pastor to come that they knew to be able to perform their funerals. And I tell you what, there's a huge difference in the family and in those funerals between those who are part of a church and who are loved and are comforted by people outside of their immediate family 
And then those who are basically having to rent a pastor to come in and, and, and do a funeral for them. Because they're missing out on this other aspect of life that God has given us. As believers, God has given us the church to comfort one another and to care for one another. It's very important. It's very valuable. Next, we see that when we are part of the church, we find encouragement in the battle against sin. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. It says, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of of sin. As the church, we are to be encouraging one another. We are all in this battle every single day fighting against sin. We all have temptations. There are all uh, sins that we battle with. Every single day, we are fighting against the flesh. Now, the Bible has talked about the spiritual armor that we need to clothe ourselves in, uh, that we need to have faith in God, that we need to cry out to God, trust God in those times. But God has also given us the church that we can encourage one another in the midst of those times. Now, here's a couple of things that that requires. One, if I'm struggling with sin... If I'm going to allow the church to comfort me and to challenge me and to exhort me and to pray for me, then I need to be willing to tell somebody. Now, do I need to stand up here and confess all my sins to all of you? No. Do I expect anyone in this church to stand up and just start blurting out their sins? No. But do we need to have maybe one or two fellow believers that we can go to and say, Hey, look, I'm struggling in this area. I need your help. I'm facing temptation every single day in this area. I need strength. I need you to pray for me. I need you to to be there for me. I need you to, to cry out to God on my behalf because I'm feeling incredibly weak right now. We've got to be able to talk to each other. We've got to be willing to say, Hey, look, I understand that I'm a sinner. and I understand that I need help and I need you to pray for me. I need you to lift me up. We've got to be willing to do that. We can't act like super Christians who never struggle, who never fall short, and who never mess up. That's just a lie because we all do. And so we have to be willing to be able to share with each other about that. Now, on the flip side, when someone shares with you, you have to be filled with grace. You have to be filled with compassion. You have to be filled with love and not judgment. You cannot say if someone tells you that they're struggling with with lust or pride or with greed or with self-centeredness or whatever it is, you can't say, oh my goodness, why are you struggling with that? I can't believe that you would ever act that way or that you would ever do that, you would ever think that. Guess what? No one's going to talk to you anymore. And all of a sudden, we're missing out on the aspect of praying for each other. When someone comes to you and says, look, I'm struggling with whatever the sin may be, our response should be, let me pray for you. Let me encourage you. Let me, let me, let me... Let's, let's read truth together so that we can see what God's Word says about that. Let's, let's memorize God's Word together so that we have something to stand on when the battle rages. Because, look, I can't be with you in that moment when you're being tempted. And you can't be with me. But what the Bible does is the Bible, Jesus shows us that when He was tempted, what did He do? He quoted Scripture. So what we need to do is we need to come alongside each other and, and in love and in compassion. When someone shares that they're struggling, we need to pray for them. Let's memorize Scripture together. Let's do what it takes to exhort each other not to be uh, hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, not to be led away, not to be uh, lied to and give in to those lies, but to stand with one another. 
And in that, the church, especially among the body of believers, should not be a place of judgment. It should be a place of love. It should be a place of grace. And it should be a place when someone pours out their heart to you and says, I'm struggling with this, that you don't act shocked and appalled, but you say, let me pray for you. Let me help you. Let me do anything that I can to come alongside of you so that you can walk with God. John 13, 35 says, By all this, or by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. As the church, if we're not loving each other but, but judging each other, then we are showing the world that our God is not worth that much, that our God is not that loving, that our God does not forgive sins, because we of all people should be aware of who we are and how desperately we needed forgiveness, how desperately we needed God to save us. And we should be showing that to other believers. We should be showing it to lost people as well. But in that verse specifically, Jesus is saying when the church loves each other, when the church cares for one another, when the church shows compassion in one another, that that magnifies God's love. It proclaims to the world around us that our God is great and this is what He has done in our lives. But when we cannot do that, when we cannot open up to each other or we cannot show grace to one another, then it tells the world that our God, that our gospel, that our Jesus is not that great. So as the church, we need to find encouragement in the battle against sin. Also, when we are part of the church, we grow in our faith by studying God's Word together. Romans 15, 14 says this, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. As the church, one of our responsibilities, one of the things that God has graced us with is His Word. Now, once again, I know I've said this a lot, and I will always say this a lot. If you want to grow in your spiritual walk with God, you've got to spend time with Him and His Word. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them in truth. Your Word is truth. If we're going to grow in God's Word, we have to spend time in God's Word. We have to hold God's Word up high in our lives. Look, typically on Sunday mornings, we take a... A, a, a chapter or a section and we go through verse by verse because I want us to understand the importance and the value of God's Word. We have Sunday school classes where you can get together in a smaller group and study God's Word to see how God's Word applies to our lives. In January, my wife Jessica is going to start a women's Bible study one night during the week where the goal is to, to learn how to study the Bible and then pick a book of the Bible and go through it together verse by verse studying God's Word. The goal of the church, one of the goals of the church, is to see believers mature in their faith. And the way that happens is we spend time in God's Word. It is a requirement and essential that if we are going to grow spiritually, that we spend time in His Word. That we know who He is, what it looks like to love Him, what it looks like to follow Him, uh, what it looks like to see sin in our life as we see it uh, shown in God's Word. We are desperately dependent on God's Word, to hear God speak, to hear God, to see God move in our life, and to see ourselves grow. As the church, we should come together. One of the things we should come together around is God's Word. All right? Next, when we are part of the church, we are held accountable in our sanctification. Now flip over to Matthew chapter 18, if you've got your Bibles out, still out. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. Now, 
In this passage, Jesus lays out what is, what is often called uh, church discipline. Now let's read this, and then we'll talk about what this means and what this looks like. It says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you so that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be as to you a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, reality. Reality is you and I are sinners. Reality is, even though we have been saved by God's grace, we still struggle every day with our sin. We've talked about this already. Reality, God has given us the option every single day, every single second of every single day, that when we fail, when we mess up, to confess our sins and He will forgive us. Now, unfortunately, that's not always the case. Unfortunately, sometimes in our own stubbornness or in our own pride or listening to the lies of Satan or what Hebrews said in the verses we just looked at, we've, the deceitfulness of sin, we get hardened by that and we choose not to repent of our sins. One of the things that God has done, He gives us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit convicts us, He never leaves us alone, but God has also established the church. So as the church... When there is someone who is in public, active rebellion against God, with no repentance, with no confession, with no remorse, God has established a system for the church to come alongside that person, to help that person deal with their sin, with the goal always being confession, with the goal always being repentance. And if that does not happen... If that person never repents, then the goal is, Jesus says to treat them as a Gentile or tax collector. What that means is you remove them from the role of church membership and you treat them as though they are lost. Now, how are Christians supposed to treat lost people? With love, by sharing the gospel. It doesn't mean that you hate them. It does not mean that they're unclean or that you cast them out or you, you look at them like they're terrible people. You treat them as though they are people who need the gospel because the lifestyle that they are living is showing that they are not submitted to and following God as they should as a child of His. So the way this plays out is... Now, understand this. It is not the church's job to, to watch you and, and, and find every little sin that you struggle with or every little sin that you commit and kind of poke it out. That's, that's, God's, that's God's responsibility. That's the Holy Spirit's responsibility. But when there is a, a public sin, maybe it's drunkenness, maybe it's drug addiction, maybe it's uh, adultery, maybe it's, I don't know. But when there is a, a public sin that is not being confessed, that is not being dealt with, the way that God lays this out there is that the leadership of the church would come to you and say, hey, look, we recognize the sin. It, it, it's obvious. We've seen it. Or so-and-so has told us about this, that you're struggling with this. We want to see you repent. We want to see you grow in your faith. And if that person repents, amen, everything is done. You move forward. But if they say, you know what, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I don't care. I don't want to repent. I don't want to fight against it. Then you come back another time with leadership. 
leadership, with more leadership, and, and you, in love and in compassion, you present the same case. And if they choose not to repent again, then you bring, bring it to the church. And you say, church, we need to pray for so-and-so because they are struggling in this sin, and they're struggling with repentance, and, and we, need, we want to see God at work in their life. And if they still don't repent, that's when you treat them, or you remove them from membership to treat them as so they need the gospel, to love them, to show compassion for them, and to care for them. Now, it's not always fun. That's not the, 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 the easy thing, easiest thing to do. The easiest thing is to ignore it, honestly. The easiest thing is to say, well, that's their life. That's their choice. Let them do what they want to do. And you know what that ends up ultimately leading to? Is people not walking with God. People leaving the church because ultimately they weren't loved and they weren't cared for and they're chasing their own sin and their flesh rather than glorifying God. And they're bringing destruction upon destruction upon destruction into their life. Because that's all that sin ever brings is destruction. If we genuinely love people, it might not be the easiest thing, but it's what God has called us to do. And so church discipline is not something to be afraid of or scared of. Once again, we're not going to search your Facebook page or your Twitter or anything like that. But it just means that when, when we lose sight of, of what we're to be doing, of who we are to be, that God has given us this support system to come alongside us and remind us of who God is, remind us of the penalty that Jesus Christ paid for us, remind us that we have been saved and that we are His children, and to remind us that grace and forgiveness is always there. And then finally, church membership helps define the responsibility of the pastor, and it places you under the care of a pastor. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Look, one of the, the, the benefits of church membership or one of the, the, the reasons for church membership is, is as a pastor, it gives me the understanding of who this flock is. Of, of who I have a... Look, there's a huge responsibility placed on leadership. He says right there in, in 13, 17 of Hebrews, he says of the leaders as those who will give an account. There will be one day when I will stand before God and I will give an account of how I led this church, of how I encouraged the believers, of how I preached God's Word, of how we stood on truth. I will be responsible to give an account. And I will be responsible to give an account for Calvary Baptist Church in Corning, Arkansas. Not for the universal church. Not for every believer everywhere. That would be too impossible. There's no way I could do that. There's no way I could, could legitimately and justifiably held accountable for that. But God has placed me as pastor of this church. And in that, God has given me a responsibility to you. To, to love you, to care for you, to be there for you, to comfort you, to counsel you, to preach God's Word. Whatever that looks like, God has given me that responsibility. Now, God has given me the responsibility to this church. God has not given me the responsibility to First Baptist. That's, that's Josh. That's the, God has given him that responsibility. God has put, placed that expectation on his head, on his life. And so while church membership is important is because... If Josh's church, if First Baptist has someone who is struggling, whether it's with a sin or whether it's a situation in life, yes, as the, the universal church, we can love them, we can care for them, we can pray for them. But ultimately, the ministering to that family, to that person, falls on that church and on that pastor. Ultimately, my responsibility, first and foremost, when it comes to doing the work of a pastor, is to y'all. 
I've got friends from back where I'm at who are uh, going through some marriage issues. And so we've been doing some marriage counseling. They've been driving up here. We've been talking on the phone. But if there was ever a conflict of interest or a conflict of timing or schedule where it said, look, I've got people at, at, at Calvary Baptist who I need to minister to or y'all, y'all have to come first. Because that's, that's the way that God has ordained this. That's the way God has created this. This is the responsibility that God has given to me. So without the membership, without being part of the membership, then who am I ministering to? And also without being part of the membership, not that, that you can't be ministered to, not that you can't be loved, but the church comes first. But not only that, but it also places you under the care of a pastor. So not just the response, my responsibility, but it places you under the care of a pastor. It means that you have someone who has an expectation on him that he is walking with God and loving God, that he knows God's word, and that you can call and that you can text. You can say, hey, pray for me, or we need counseling, or I just need help, or hey, I want you to come shoot a buck with me, whatever. You are under the care of me as a pastor. It means I have responsibilities to, to not just responsibilities, but God has placed me here to, to love you and to help you in any way that I possibly can walk and grow with God. If that means getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go make a hospital visit, then that's where I'll be. If that means um, going to a funeral home at 7 or 8 at night, then that's where I'll be because God has blessed me with y'all as a church. And I understand the responsibility that God has given me as a pastor. And it's something that I am thankful for. And that I want to be the best that I possibly can for y'all. To help you grow and walk as believers uh, in your faith. All of this to say, church membership is important. Also, church membership is to be fought for. It's something to be held up. To be, to be held in high esteem. To understand its importance. And understand that it's not something that we take lightly. When we say that we're, someone's going to be a member here, there are expectations. There's expectations on you that you're going to serve and love God. And that you're going to do what you can to, to help this church. And then there's expectations on the church that we're going to, to come alongside of you. Help you grow in your faith. That we're going to be there when you need us. in whatever that looks like. That we come together so that we can glorify God together. So that we we can grow as Christians together so that we can reach the world together. God has blessed us with the church. So I guess the point of this is, one, let's be thankful for the church. Let's be thankful for what God has done. Two, let's live as the church. Let's comfort one another, encourage one another, see each other built in our faith. Number three, if you're in this room and you've been debating whether you should join this church or not, I can't answer that. But I can tell you this, that God has created the church. It is God's will for you to be part of a church. Whether it's this church or it's God leading you somewhere else. Let me encourage you so that you can follow God and obey God to be a part of His church. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you now. We thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. We thank you that you have uh, not left us here alone, but not only have you given us yourself, but God, you've also given us each other. People to empathize with and sympathize with and encourage and laugh with and, and, and grow in our faith with. Father God, we thank you for the church. Father God, I pray that you would help us love the church because you love the church. Help us be a part of the church because that's what you've created it to be. And Father God, as the church, God, let us just come alongside each other and be a place of love and exhortation and encouragement. 
And God, let us stand for truth together. Let us walk with you together. Let us impact this world together. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.